Thank you for joining me for another Quick Hits Conversation. I'm Dr. Robin, aka Mental MacGyver. I provide luxury level high performance support and coaching to executives, founders, celebrities, and athletes. With me today, I have Rick Alcantara. He does public relations, digital marketing, and crisis communication at Rick Alcantara Consulting. I have Katarina von Maydell. She helps business leaders build disruptive business models and define key leverage points to create powerful change and impact using process of systemic organizational and human evolution. If you want different, lead different. And I have Stuart Wiggins. He's with Induna Advisors where he offers fractional chief operating officer services and brings resources together to help scale your business. The question I have today, why is it so easy to just accept a toxic work environment? Katarina, kick us off. This is a really good topic. So thanks for picking it. Cause I think a lot of people don't always even recognize that they're in a toxic work environment. Mm. So I think there's a lot of factors to that. Number one is where I spent a lot of my career was in environments where basically if you can't handle the heat, don't get in the kitchen or mm. get out of the kitchen. So there's this normalizing of toughness, which often is a polite word for toxic. There's also a lot of blaming and shaming that if you can't handle it, it must be your fault. You don't measure up. Um, and we also don't have a lot of support and a lot of conversations like this one, where we even talk about toxicity. And then there's also a lot of self, there's elements of the self of whether or not we even recognize that we're in a toxic situation, whether we think we're worthy of having a better situation, if we're coming up with all sorts of excuses to justify and say, oh, I'm just helping the other people I'm here with, we're all in this together, or if people have the abilities to even leave those situations. So I think there's, there's a range, internal and external factors as to why people stay. And I think some people may just feel like they have to just grin and bear it, like you said. They may not feel that they have opportunities to, to, to go elsewhere. So you know, they'll just put up with whatever toxic environment there is because they don't either want to leave or feel like they can't leave, either because of their salary or whatever age. I, as I hear you guys talk, I, I think that there may be a uh, generational component here because I think that younger people, maybe just joining the workforce or maybe in their early 30s, they wouldn't put up with a toxic environment. They would just pack it in and go someplace else. And that's why when you look at some of the resumes from, from people in that age group, and I don't know what generation you call them because I never know the generations, but there's a lot of job hopping mm. because they're looking for satisfaction. And one of the things I think is, is that what creates a toxic work environment is mid-level level leaders don't handle, they haven't been prepared to be leaders. So they don't handle the stress of leadership very well. So when they have some questions at the top, and I won't even call it stress, just questions from the top, all they need to how to do is push back. So those leaders, when they see you struggle, they don't, they don't try to help you. And really what a leader is supposed to do is saying, you're screwing this up or you're going to go on a performance improvement plan. Mm -hmm. But that's not leadership. Leadership should be, okay, let's sit down. Let's talk about what's going on. What are the obstacles to success? So I think what really creates that toxic work environment is if it doesn't harm me, then it's not a toxic work environment. You have to be able to say something and you have to have a good leader that allows you to say something so it can be addressed. It's that emotional maturity that I think a leader has to have to identify this group. I had a boss tell me once, well, if you leave here, where you go next will be worse. And so I did stay for a period of time after that, even though I knew the environment, I didn't use the word toxic at the time, but I knew it was awful, but she scared me and made me feel like, well, I can't leave. Yeah. You could also be working somewhere where you are very highly compensated and you feel that you can't find another job in the same market or in another market at the same value. So you may just stay just because the salary isn't so good or the benefits are so good. 
What if you are the cause and you don't know it? Then the toxic work environment goes with you. Even if you're the victim of toxicity, I think you still are the cause of it because you're, and that's a really harsh thing to say, but I think it's very true that often people are in toxic environments because they accept it, they think it's normal, somehow they really think they deserve it or that it is the norm. And I would say it really is on the shoulders of leaders, but I think every individual should be conscious that they do contribute to a toxic work environment. So what we have to learn to do is learn to question in the right way. And if we really are in an environment where we can't question, then you really do need to leave. And questioning is not just questioning your leaders and questioning your culture and questioning upwards. It also is questioning yourself, like, what do you see in the mirror? What's your contribution? I've been in a meeting where I was being attacked by my boss several levels up. And my direct boss, who actually knew that I was being attacked falsely, he literally, literally sat with his head on his arm in the entire the entire meeting. The reason that we had this problem was in part his fault because he didn't really step up when he needed to. And obviously I had some responsibility and I think we always have to look in the mirror and see what's our responsibility, not just what are other people's responsibilities in this. And toxicity is different than accountability. I feel like there's a lot of organizations where people think the environment's toxic, but really what they're doing is saying you have to do your job. And yes. then to your point, Stuart, are they are the leaders doing that in an effective way? I think a lot of leaders have not been taught how to do that. A lot of leaders have been taught how to manage things, how to control things, and how to make people obedient. But I don't think a lot of leaders have really understood how do you engage in a truly constructive questioning, constructive conflict, creative conflict environment. And I think there's a lot of toxicity because so many people are conflict avoidant because they don't recognize that there's a really constructive element to conflict if you do it the right way. You're right. You have managers who, who were probably really good at the skills that they brought to the job and were promoted into this leadership role and do not have the leadership skills. So you could have be working in a company where the culture of the company itself is very good. But this individual manager, this individual leader is creating a toxic environment because they don't know how to lead. We keep using that word leader, but that person probably is not a leader. That person is probably a manager. And you, you said it best, Rick, and this is one of my pet peeves is people get promoted into a role based on the job they did before. And so culturally, the company has an obligation to prepare them to be successful at that next level. Why would you put somebody in a leadership role who's unprepared, then they start to stumble, and then all the other men, they're going to say, he was a bad hire. You have to support people and help them make, help make them be successful. So what do you do if you find yourself in a toxic work environment? Well, you would like to say, or have the uh, idea or the concept that if you see something, say something, but it doesn't always work because you are protecting your own job. So even if you're not the victim of that uh, harassment or that, that uh, toxic environment, you may feel that, hey, I'm just not going to get involved. I just can't afford to be participating in this. And it creates a, a, a problem, which is you don't feel free to basically express yourself or to stick up or ha help out the people around you. So here's an example of a toxic work. I won't name the company I worked for, but this was back in the 90s. And my father-in-law passed away. So uh, we went to France. And I left my wife there. And then uh, when she came back, I had to go to the airport and pick her up. And this was before Zoom and all that other kind of stuff. And my boss's boss had a conference call. And he got upset with me and says, we're holding this meeting for you because you couldn't be here for the, uh, for the standard meeting. So you need to get engaged. But I didn't quit mm -hmm. because I needed the job. 
toxic work. I was in a meeting one time, Stuart, there was like, like maybe 15 or 20 people from this communications department. It was an agency and they were all basically idea sharing and storming around and somebody stood up and offered an idea and the head guy just basically said, that is the dumbest effing idea I've ever heard. And I was just dumbfounded. I was shocked that somebody would actually say that in a meeting. I was like, am I going to say anything? No. So, and that's what we're basically saying. We're telling people if you're in a toxic environment, you either have to be quiet or get out. It doesn't right. sound like we're giving them any other options. Well, I think there is a middle ground. Uh, sometimes the culture is so immutable that it's not going to change. And then you do have to leave. But if, it, if you've got well-intentioned people around you, and I've been in these environments where people are well-intentioned, but they're toxic because they don't know any better. But if I can find a way to prove my allyship to them so that they trust me, then I can start having conversations with them to say, well, I wonder if we try this and do it in a very non-judgmental way and also hold people accountable. Because I've been in very high power situations, I've had to read a few books on, on power. And there's one book in particular, I, I'll have to give you the, the reference later, uh, Dr. Robin, if you want to put it in the link, but there's one book that is just exceptional. It's written by a consultant in Vancouver um, who basically says, here's the alpha male code for women. You're in a meeting and just completely dismissed or ignored because you're a woman. And that's not considered toxic. That's just considered the way it is, right? But we know that is very toxic. But the way that he recommends that you deal with it is the man that did that to you, regardless of how powerful, immediately after the meeting, you pull him aside and say that was completely inappropriate for these reasons and that is not tolerable. And then you walk away. It's not a discussion. It's holding them accountable. So it's about learning the rules of power. It's about recognizing where the opportunities for change are. And it's about really stepping up and taking the responsibility and taking the risks. And if it really doesn't change and you've given it your best shot, then you leave. That is a great place for us to end a 10-minute conversation. Sorry, Rick. I look forward to speaking to each of you again very soon.